Every Sunday, I'm down there getting ready. Got to pull up my socks. One of the first lessons my pastor, when I was a teenager, said is, when you get up there to preach, ain't nobody want to see your hairy white legs. (laughs) Thank you. He gave me some better advice than that, but that one is colorful, so I shared it with you. Um, Yeah. Open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Jonah chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3. We continue our walk through the book of Jonah, just four chapters, 48 verses, but so much impact and so much meaning for us. And if you didn't already, and David already announced it, we got one more week. We've still got more Jonah cards. It's on our website and social media. You can share it from there. But grab a card, especially give them to your friends, family members, folks you know are unchurched. And you know, on the back right there. Jonah knew what to do, but he did the opposite. How'd that work out for him? We see Jonah coming around in a sense today as our story unfolds, and we call this message a message of obedience, that he goes to the city. We think about the word obey. It's an easy word to say. It's just four letters, obey, but it's not always easy to do, is it? 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love and obey His commandments. It shows we love God's people when we love God Himself and obey Him. John 14, 21, If you have my commands, He who has my commands and obeys them, He's the one who loves me. And I too will love Him, Jesus says, and show myself to Him. That obedience and love are tied up together, but sometimes we obey Uh, just because we can't do anything but, even if we aren't feeling the love. So by review in our sermon series, you know, we started with Jonah on the run in chapter 1. He runs away from God. God clearly shows up to him and says in verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away. He set out to go 2,000 miles in the opposite direction instead of the 500 miles, the direction God wanted him to go to preach. Jonah chapter 2, you find Jonah in the belly of the whale and Jonah offers this prayer. We don't know after he had been there three days or if he offered it right away, but it's really a prayer of thanksgiving. God, that you saved me and you didn't kill me. And God, I see you as sovereign and I see your grace. But then today we get this message of obedience. He's in the city. Next week, we see Jonah's true colors. I'm not going to foreshadow that too much more. But um, Jonah chapter 3. Now, I got to show you something. Last week, I'm sitting in Sunday school, and I get a text message, and I kind of glance at it, and it says, David Chatwell. I'm like, what's Pastor David texting me about during Sunday school? This must be pretty important. So while somebody else is commenting on something, I shoot my eyes down to my phone real quick, and I'm like, He didn't, so show it, Seth. Remember my question last week was, what's your whale, right? We know it's a great fish, not a whale. And so I was asking, what person, what situation has God used in order to get your attention, in order to move you to where he needs you to go for you to be obedient? And then in Sunday school, David says, where has God vomited me? Because, you know, the end of that, it says, and the whale or the great fish vomited up on dry land. You know, so where has God vomited you? What I didn't ask David this week was, David, were you teaching Sunday school when you did this? Okay, just checking. 
Does this randomly come to your mind during Sunday school? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. But he shared it then. Anyhow, so, um, yeah, maybe you need to consider that. You know, where has God vomited you? Okay, that wasn't funny. Moving right along. (laughs) Jonah chapter 3. Somebody's text to tweeting right now. The pastor's talking about God vomiting me in church. Jonah chapter 3. If you're there and you're able to stand with me in the honor of reading God's word so we can talk about anything other than vomit, please do. Jonah 3, 1 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city, a city a visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Verse 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued this proclamation in Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet, when God saw compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Let's pray. Father, again, we hear a story from Jonah that seemed quite phenomenal. Each chapter, each step we take, it seems like, wow, there are miraculous things demonstrating your sovereignty, and there are some things that people are doing that we shake our heads at, and others we just go, that's amazing. And so though we are challenged to consider the repentance of the entire city of Nineveh and their demonstration of it. Would you speak to us, God, lest we get hung up on them, that we're reminded what you call us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture memory verse of the month reminds us of calling out to God. Let's say it together. Jonah 2.2. He said... In my distress, I called from to the Lord, and He answered me from deep in the realm of the dead. I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah 2.2 When we call to God, He answers. No matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what's happening to us, He answers. Jonah called Him. God answered, God had the whale deliver him back on the shore and set him on his way to Nineveh. Now, what we don't know is how long it took before he landed on the beach till he got Nineveh. It's still a couple hundred miles. It's going to take him a little time. There was some time to recuperate, time to maybe get a little suntan instead of being bleached from inside the fish, and hopefully take a bath or whatever else. So when he got to Nineveh, they wouldn't be going, Woo! What's up with this guy? Because he's in the belly of that great fish for a while. But look at what it says in chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second 
time. Your first point on your outline says, we disobey, God is constant. Though we disobey as part of our human nature, as part of who we are as sinful people, full of flesh, full of doubt, full of fear, constant. Jonah had run away from God. Jonah had been in the belly of the fish. Jonah had prayed. God got him back on dry land alive. And then the word of the Lord came to him a second time. Lest we get ready to be all high and mighty and uppity with Jonah, how about you? How many times does the word of the Lord have to come to you before you obey, right? Does God have to speak to you once and you immediately obey? Or does it take God a second time, a third time, a fourth time? And eventually you stop hearing from God and you think, oh, God must not want me to do that anymore. No, God still wants you to do it. He's just not wasting his breath on you anymore. You're living a lifestyle of disobedience rather than obeying and going where God has called you. Now, lest Jonah forgot what he was supposed to do, look at what verse 2 says. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Almost exactly what he said to him in chapter 1, verse 2, except he added in verse 2, its wickedness has come up before me. Jonah hears from God, here's what you're supposed to do. Now go do it. My question for us to consider is, what has God reminded me of? What is it that God has said to me a first time and a second time and a third time? That he's clearly told me, here's what I want you to do. Here's how I want you to obey. Yet, how many times have I ignored him? How many times have I run the other way? And maybe am I in the belly of the whale right now? Because God's trying to marinate me to say yes to his will and deliver me back to where he wants me to go. In Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 29 and 31, it gives us a picture of what disobedience to God looks like. Let me read it to you. It says, you warned them to return to your law, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. We may not think ourselves proud and obstinate when we're disobeying God. We think, who cares? No big deal. When you're rebelling against the God of the whole universe, you're demonstrating pride and obstinance. They did not follow your regulations by which people will find life if only they obey. Did you hear that? If only they obey. They stubbornly turn their backs on you and refuse to listen. That's us sometimes. That's us a lot of times. In your love, God, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but they still wouldn't listen. So once again, you allowed the peoples of other lands to conquer them. In the case of who Nehemiah was speaking to here. But in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. When God tells us a second time, when he tells us a third time, when he does not immediately destroy us for our disobedience, it's God's mercy. It's God's grace. It's God's love for us. God is patient. He sends prophets. He sends his spirit. He gives us his word. But we wouldn't listen. As with Nineveh, God loved him. 
them, though their wickedness came up before him. As with Jonah, God loved him, though he ran the other way. As with us, God loves us, though we continually disobey and ignore him and go the other way. It's God's grace at work. The book of Jonah, in its four chapters, its 48 verses, highlights for me again and again and again God's grace and God's sovereignty. He has a sovereign plan at work, and he wants us to be part of that. But in his grace, he moves us towards it. So our first point was that we disobey, but God is constant. Let's move on to our second point, the next two verses there that says we obey, but God is sovereign. Now check this out. Jonah does obey. Finally, he's going the right direction. Finally, he's doing the right thing. Verse 3, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Amen, Jonah. I mean, this is where I was like, Jonah, high five, bro. Yes, you obeyed. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. Some have conjectured that it took three days to walk across Nineveh like 20 miles a day, therefore, you know, it's a 60-mile-wide city. I'm like, eh, no. I mean, the, the archaeologists tell us that at this time, they estimate the population of Nineveh was about 120,000. And so maybe it was more like it took three days to walk around the city and see the whole city, not circumnavigate it, but walk through the neighborhoods and meet various people and other things like that. But look at what it says there. On the first day, Jonah started into the city, but then... Like the second day, he starts preaching. He proclaimed 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. Now, it's interesting here. All we have reported of what Jonah says is that. It's not like he went into the biggest stadium, you know, invited everybody in for some spectacle of a crusade or something. He walked around the city and said 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. We don't really have a picture of Jonah's attitude in his obedience here. Was he like moping around like 40 more days and then it was going to be overturned? And it was all the Holy Spirit that moved him? Or was he railing against them? 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned. And they're like, oh. But the reaction would say it had nothing to do with the power or the authority that Jonah had, but what God did. No matter what Jonah said or how Jonah said it, it's what God was up to here. When we obey God, even in small ways, in simple things, then we align ourselves with the will of God. And when we're aligned with the will of God, we're in step with the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God, the rule, the reign, the power, the authority, the ability to do anything He wants to do can happen in our lives. What happened in Jonah's life in response to his meager preaching, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overturned, was absolutely staggering. Let's consider your question there. What motivates my submission to God? Because you've got two acts of submission going on here, two acts of obedience. The one is Jonah doing what he's supposed to do. The second, the people of Nineveh hearing his message about to respond in an amazing way. 
What motivates my submission to God? Now, historians will tell us, and I haven't made a big deal of this because I don't think it's a big deal, but I'll mention it to you real quick, that uh, Assyria as a kingdom at this time was kind of at a low ebb of its authority and power in the region. And extra-biblical, so that's sources of history outside the Bible, actually do show us that some of Assyria's northern neighbors were gaining strength and military authority and had been attacking Assyria, kind of nipping at the edges of their kingdom, right? And so it may have been that the people in that great city of Nineveh, not yet the capital of Assyria, but still a great city, might have been a little nervous. You know, oh man... This God that this guy is talking about may be going to use this country or this country or this country to come and attack us and take us down and annihilate us like we've done to Israel or other places like that. So there may have been some historical circumstances that they had in their mind to motivate their repentance in God. Yet what we see next is really quite amazing. But for you and I, what motivates our submission Is it something to do with our desire? Is it something to do with our love for God, our trust in his plan or his sovereignty? John 14, 23 and 24, you can write that one down. The New King James Version says it this way. It says, Jesus answered and said to them, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words and the words which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey. You'll keep God's words. So when we disobey, God's constant. When we obey, we see God's sovereignty. Let's move to your third point this morning. Your third point is when we repent, God is righteous. God is always righteous, but certainly in our repentance, we see his righteousness. What does it say in verse 5? The Ninevites believed God. A simple statement. A city of 100,000 summarized here. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Sackcloth would be made of uh, you know, camel hair or a rough kind of wool or something like that. And frankly, it would cover only what was necessary for decency. So, uh, but you know, prickly, not comfortable. These were the kind of clothes that those in poverty and prisoners and slaves would be given to war. But verse 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust, another sign of repentance. Now, you might say, now wait a second. If you're Jonah and you want to get Nineveh changed, wouldn't you start with the king? Scripture gives no indication of that. Jonah went around the city and preached to the people. And Scripture gives no indication that Jonah spoke to the king at all. But the king, seeing the movement of God among his people, possibly hearing Jonah himself, but we don't see that revealed in Scripture, humbles himself as well. What I see is repentance. That in the face of the message, no matter how Jonah preached it, the hand of God had to been upon the city of Nineveh, and they were compelled to demonstrate their repentance by the humility of sackcloth and sitting in the dust from the greatest, verse 5 says, to the least. And this summary statement of verse 5 that precedes the king in verse 6, that's common in uh, ancient Near Eastern literature for a summary statement to follow what Uh, or or precede what follows behind in telling the statement. So don't get worried about that. They believed God, and they 
chose to follow him. The question you and I have today is, what must I turn from today? What must I turn from today? That's going to be specific to each and every one of us. Lamentations 3, 40 through 42 says, Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. We need God's forgiveness. Pastor Jim Cimbala said this. He said, introspection, counseling, self-effort, a new spiritual book or a new Bible translation will not change us. Only the Holy Spirit can burn up the pride and junk that is within us. If you find yourself in sin, disobeying God, going the opposite direction that God has called you to go, it's good that you're here listening to me. It's good that you've got your Bible open. It's good that you're thinking through these things. But it's the Holy Spirit that is going to change your heart. You've got to repent and obey because God is righteous, God is sovereign, and he's giving you the grace to hear this message today in order that you might turn. You might say, but I'm so far gone. I've sinned so much. I've wandered so far away. I've got so much stuff in my life, Pastor, and I love Deuteronomy 4.29. Write it down, Deuteronomy 4.29. It says, but if from there you will seek the Lord your God, And you will find him if you search for him with all your heart and with all your soul. That first three verses or words, but if from there, four words, sorry. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're there is, but if from there you turn to God, God hears you. Because God loves you. And he demonstrates his grace to you as much as he demonstrates his sovereignty to you. To bring you back, to get you on your way to obeying him even if it takes a whale to get you moving in the right direction. So we disobey God. He's constant. We obey God. We see his sovereignty. We repent. We see his righteousness. The fourth point on your outline today. We warn others, God is gracious. We warn others, God is gracious. Look at verse 7 and 8. Then he, that's the king of Nineveh, issued a proclamation in Nineveh. As far as we know, based on the summary statement of verse 5, they may have already been doing this, but it may be that that summary statement is preceding what follows. But the king says here, By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or any beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. Hey, try to work that out. You have a bunch of grumpy people, right? A bunch of grumpy animals not getting what they want. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. I don't know how they did that. Animals generally already have fur. You know, do you put a, I don't know, but symbolic. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. My friend, Pastor Tim Johnson, who's probably right now across the way at New Covenant Church on 84th Street preaching as well, said this years ago, and I wrote it down. That God is looking for availability and obedience, not ability and resources. Our less leaves room for God's more. God's calling us to obey him. And it's not a matter of who we are or who we aren't or our ability. It's just a matter of us saying, yes, God, I will obey. And God's calling us to be a part of calling others. 
We invite people to church. We pray for them. We share the gospel with them. We talk about our faith in Jesus and how the Bible impacts our life and why we make the choices we do and how we process and think about issues like we do. We're sharing the gospel with them, but we need to specifically share Jesus with them as the way to salvation as well. What happened here, this proclamation, this warning was calling people to repentance. We can be a part of the same thing. And the way we live our lives is a witness to others. Your question there asks, how have I shared the gospel? With lost, unchurched, family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, how have we shared the gospel? You can do something simple like invite people. Hey, will you come to my church Sunday? We got one more message on Jonah. It's been pretty cool. We're learning some things. It's amazing how something that happened like more than 3,000 years ago applies to us today. Here, come with me. And so that's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider who's your one? Who is it that God's put in your life that you can share your faith with? And that they might trust Christ as their Savior, even in this next month and a half. Wouldn't that be amazing? We need to pray that way. We need to share the gospel that way. And answer this question, how have I shared the gospel? The first question is, have I shared it at all? But yes, if you have, how have you shared it? Who have you shared it with? And if it hadn't been effective, is there a different way? Or if they didn't respond well, can you pray more and ask God to give you insight to share? I know. Some people, it seems like we can talk to them forever and we try our best and we pray our hardest and maybe they just say no. But that doesn't mean we should stop trying. God didn't stop with Jonah. God didn't stop with Nineveh. God didn't stop with you. What are you going to do? We saw disobedience and God was constant. We saw obedience and God's sovereignty. We saw repentance and God's righteousness. We see this warning in God's graciousness. What's it say there? Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Stop all these things we're doing that are evil and wicked and sinful and turn to God in prayer is what the king of Nineveh proclaimed. Well, what happens next? That's your fifth point on your outline. Your fifth point on your outline, applying this to us, is that we are saved. God is compassionate. We're saved. God is compassionate. Verse 9, the king says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. We don't know how Jonah preached. We don't know how often he preached. But we see the result that every person and every animal humbled themselves. And that the king himself declares to them, give up your evil ways and your violence. Call on God urgently. That who knows, perchance, maybe God will relent. Now, that's the best translation for that word. Some of your Bibles may say repent, and you might think, well, was God in sin to want to judge uh, Nineveh? No, no, that's, uh, the word repent means turn around. We use it in church about sin, but it means turn around. You can use it anywhere, right? 
And so the best translation, however, is relent. It doesn't mean that God changed his mind, that God thought, I'm going to destroy these terrible Ninevites and maybe I'll save them if they act nice enough when Jonah goes and preaches to them. No. God knew all along he wanted the Ninevites to turn. Remember what did it say in Jonah chapter 1? Go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Beginning of this chapter, go to the great city and proclaim the message I give you. And what was that message? Turn back to God. You're being warned. You have a short time, 40 days. And so what did it say? Maybe he'll have compassion. That word is loving kindness, hesed. It's when he's stirred up on the inside that God loves us in a godly way, a way that only God can do like agape in the New Testament. Otherish is the word we used that God responds that way in his fierce anguish. Excuse me, he'll turn away from his fierce anger so that we won't perish. Verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion on them. Just like the king had said, he may relent. He may have compassion. He did. And did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. God saw their repentance. God saw their humility, their brokenness, and he responded. He did not bring the destruction that was threatened. He showed his love to them. My question for you is, how's God shown love to me? So often we walk through life in our selfishness with our tunnel vision about our life and our needs. And we get, frankly, kind of cocky and arrogant, thinking that the world owes us and thinking that God owes us. And we take for granted the very blessings of God. The body we have, the mind we have, the ability to do the things we do, to enjoy things like we enjoy things. And even when we endure trials, that there are blessings in those trials as we are strengthened and drawn closer to God. In all of those, though, I would point to God showing us he loves us in practical ways. You know, when I come to church on Sunday mornings, most Sunday mornings, well, like every Sunday morning, I sit right there on the third pew, right? And right behind me is my faithful friend, Jason. I always say I sing better with Jason behind me. Because he's got a great rich voice and it just helps me to sing better. But today, across the aisle, I heard Miss Eva Clark. Eva was belting out those songs up to the top of her voice. And there was a joyfulness in her. And I just swelled a little bit. I thought, yeah. That's the love of God right there. A sweet little girl who's just trusted Jesus as her Savior. And is ready to get baptized. Singing those songs with passion. I got Jason behind me. I got Eva beside me. I got all the rest of you with me. And we're a church that's called to grow Christ followers and we are growing as Christ followers and seeking to invite others in to grow Christ followers. And we're here worshiping as Myra and this team leads us. And how blessed are we to be here? That's the love of God for us. Amen? That we're here and we know and we experience and we feel God's love. We sing God's love. We share God's love. How's God shown his love to me? 
I bet you you could write a list and you could write and write and write as, as specific as you'd want to be, as thoughtful as you would want to be. When I think about God's love for us and the reminder that Jesus gave to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us. And I see in the life of Jonah that when he went and did what God called him to do, God changed an entire city. It reminds us that we're supposed to seek God, not sin. That we're supposed to fear God, not man. We're supposed to love God, not this world. That we're supposed to believe God, not the deceiver. We're supposed to obey God, not our appetites. We're supposed to serve God, not self. And we're supposed to worship God, not our own comfort. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we've considered the words recorded in Jonah chapter 3 today, it's your grace that even has these words preserved for us. That in the story of Jonah and the amazing repentance of the Ninevites who responded with brokenness and humility, that we see an example for us. That you've called us to obedience. And you call us because you love us. And you call us more than once because of your grace. Father, let us not cheapen your grace by our delayed obedience, which is disobedience. Let there be no fear or anxiety or lack of faith that keeps us in disobedience. But whatever it is that you've called us to do, that we would say, yes, Lord. And we would agree and we would do and we would say to bring glory to your name, Lord God. So we thank you for your word that we would be obedient in our response now. In Jesus' name, amen.